Welcome to the Maximus Podcast. Uh, your hosts are Joe Sabula and Bobby Maximus. We're sponsored by 10,000, T-E-N-T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D dot C-C. I could barely spell that. Uh, I don't know if you guys know, I've been, my brain's <laughs> something called the C slot all day for my TikTok. So I can't, I can't think anymore. It's hard work for me to dance. Use the code Maximus15 for a discount. Also check out Lalo.com, L-A-L-O.com, code Maximus50 for a big discount on Maximus shoes. So I'll make you jump higher, uh, better in bed, uh, put you on the path to your corporate dreams. They'll do everything. We absolutely promise that. There are numerous studies by Stanford and Harvard. So check them out. And we have a very special guest today, Corey G., uh, Corey, we do this thing on this podcast where we let guests introduce themselves um, to tell their story. So why do we have you on here? Who are you? Yeah. What do you do? Uh, that fancy blue check mark on Instagram. Oh, shit. Just like you, Bobby. Uh, yeah, look, like I me. think I think that's a great hack because then you ain't got to study. You just throw it right to the guest. So I see. I, I, I'm not mad at you. Uh, look, I'm a serial fitness entrepreneur. That's That's the way I kind of... Um, label myself nowadays, even though I do other business too, but I've been in this game. I started my first personal training studio in 1999 when I was, uh, barely 20 years old. So I've been a professional, uh, fitness, you know, person out here for 20 plus years. And prior to that, I worked as an underground coal miner, saving my money, uh, for my first gym. I'm a fourth generation coal miner, grew up in a trailer, very humble beginnings and I have been on about every side of this industry from personal training, gym ownership, being a sponsored athlete, competing in drug-free powerlifting, competing in drug-free free bodybuilding, 13 covers of magazines. Um, I've had elite totals in two different weight classes and I've done uh, powerlifting gear, meaning like the equipment. Uh, I trained at Westside. I learned um, under Arnold Schwarzenegger from bodybuilding standpoint. I worked with Tiger Woods. Uh, I've really done uh, literally a little bit of everything and I, this is all I do. This is what this is what I do. This is not my fucking hobby. This is what I do. hundred percent. And right. um, so, I love it. I eat it. I breathe it, everything, all of it. <laughs> so, okay. So I, I have so many questions. So you were based out of Columbus, Ohio. Correct? Still am. Still yeah, am. Yep. Where you're, where you still am. Um, but you've done a lot of other stuff too. I want to say you, you were a founder of muscle farm, mm-hmm. which is enormous. Uh, Forgot to mention I mean, that. shocking in a way, that's one of the biggest um, supplement companies I think that there has ever been. Uh, and they've also had a couple of my favorite people's lives, uh, Arnold. Yep. Uh, I think you guys worked with CT Fletcher. So you guys yep. are like the, you know, um, and you're also on the Arnold Schwarzenegger advisory board, which yeah. that's like to me, the pinnacle of success in the training industry. He's a man. Like there's yeah. nobody better than We're working with so Arnold. You've done a lot of, I mean, so go ahead, Bobby. Sorry. No, no, no. I'm just saying like, you're a pretty humble guy. You're like, I'm a coal miner. I lift some weights. No, you've done <laughs> a lot of shit. <laughs> Man, it, it's, you know what I mean? You know, muscle farm was so crazy because that was my first chance outside of personal training. You know, I, I made, you know, decent money as a personal trainer and built a really good local business. And then I said to myself, like my wife was uh, pregnant with our, our second child. She, uh, she had just quit her job um, to stay home with the kids. We had say she was a teacher. And then all of a sudden this opportunity comes with uh, a guy that had a little bit of a tattered past and brings this to me and says, man, I want to start this business. You know, are you interested? 
And there was something about just, I wanted a chance to try to do my version of Bill Phillips. That, that's really what it came down to, Bobby. And I know you could receive, cause you're a little bit older. So you get that. Like, I just looked up the bill and I was like, I want to be for like, yeah, right, man. I want to be, I wanted to be a version of that, but with Twitter, with Instagram, with the content I know I could produce and with my background, not being like amazing really at any of it, but being okay at powerlifting, being okay at bodybuilding. I just kind of, you know, was in each, each kind of world. And I thought I really knew what the customer needed at a different level. So when we started MP in 08, man, it just, and we got involved with the UFC very early. My first UFC fight that I sponsored was UFC 96. And we went from, okay. you know, 2010 through 2015, we were pretty much the biggest sponsor besides Bud Light and those guys in, in the octagon. And that's how that business continued to explode. And so, yeah, it was a wild experience. It quadrupled, the business quadrupled every year for like three or four years in a row. It was crazy. Wow. Are you still involved? Uh, I sold my percentage in 2015. So I've been gone for okay, five so years. Out. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was at a point where it had got so big anything, and it was so, anything new had gone to any other supplement lines or you've been doing anything else. Yeah. So in 2016, we founded a new direct to customer supplement brand called max effort muscle. And so it's myself and John Fosco who did all the UFC marketing for me back in the day. We became partners, Dustin Myers, who is pretty much reserved as like the best wrestling strength coach on the planet. He was with Ohio state whenever they won their national championship with Kyle Snyder and those guys. And then I have Travis Brown and Clay Guida are partners also. So, uh, we started that brand in er late 15, early 16, and it's done extremely well. So max effort, which is kind of just a good mantra in general is the, is the second sub supplement business. And we don't sell to any retailers, just direct to customer. So it's been a, it's been a great venture since and, and very different than the first one. That's incredible. Do you miss, I mean, I, I look at Muscle Farm and they are one of the most recognized supplement companies on the planet. It's in fact, it's something I reference regularly. I mean, if you go into GNC, you go into vitamin shop, you go anywhere, you've got Muscle Farm, you've got Twin Lab and maybe Zyance was big at one point, but I think they're completely out of business at this point, but you literally founded EAS, I guess is a big one too. Do you miss being in that business? Um, so here's what, level. yeah, so here, no. And I'll tell you why, Bobby, because I'm more of a grassroots, grimy, direct to customer DMS back and forth, helping people out singly. than I am corporate boardroom, that type. That, that's just not really me to be straight with you. I can do it. Um, you know, I used to go meet with the CEO of GNC. I did the deal to have the wall at GNC. I, you know, did big business with the Costco and fucking bodybuilding.com and all of this. But at the end of the day, one, that business is dramatically different now. Amazon, direct-to-customer brands, like my newest one, they've dis disrupted the industry. It's not what it used to be. It's very different. So it had its, I guess, glimmers at that time, but I was ready to kind of go back build grassroots, build my website, do, do these other ventures. I have about five or six different businesses and I just was really, you know, entrepreneurs, man, they get bored after a little while. Like it, it was just time to go do something else. I knew it. We had change of management. So the board of directors was different. See, when you get that big, when you're talking a hundred million plus, 
a whole different animal of stuff. No matter if you're one of the co-founders or not, it takes a lot of people to run a business that big. Yeah. For sure. How big is your current venture then? Uh, well, it's private, so I don't really talk about numbers, but you know, I've, I've started several businesses that have done, you know, well over a million dollars since then. Mm-hmm. But I mean, as, as far as like, you got this giant corporate monster, like is what you're doing, you're saying this is like completely opposite end of the spectrum. Completely different because uh-huh. the other one, Joe, is all retail where yeah. this is straight direct to customer. So what's interesting though is Muscle Farm was so big, but we spent so much money to be yeah. so big yeah. that our push was to try to be like a billion dollars. I mean, we mm-hmm. thought we were going to be Nike, right? And we right. were to some degree. So this business now is actually quote unquote, more successful from a bottom line standpoint than that business ever was, mm. but it's dramatically smaller. So it really just depends on what you're, what you're trying to do. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. So I've, li- I've lived both worlds. I lived retail, push, try to be huge, roll the fucking dice, do everything. And I've also lived direct to customer, push, be profitable, quality, which they were both quality, but you know what I'm saying? It's just a different business model. And yeah. so I wanted to be more like the Dollar Shave Club. We ship it out in a burlap sack. It's very like throwback. And the other one was more of like a Nike-ish thing. So I literally got to live kind of both worlds, you know? Mm-hmm. Now from a guy, what interests me is you also live on both ends of the, what I'll say influencer spectrum is in ways you're a, you're a fitness professional, you're an influencer. Uh, you give people advice on Instagram. So I assume that you're approached by companies all the time for endorsement opportunities, things like that. But you've been on the other side of it too, the business side of it, making decisions on that stuff. And so say there's a guy like me, uh, at home that wants a supplement deal. What kind of advice do you give guys like me to go out and get that? Do I contact companies? Should I hit them up? Because I imagine supplement companies are hit up by guys like me every minute of every day. It's, it's all about nowadays, Bobby. That's a great question, by the way, because I used to be in the same position. Like, how do I get sponsored by, I remember it was like uh, Beverly International. Then it was Gaspari when they were big, you know, before BSN blew it. Like I remember, because you gotta remember, I live in Columbus, Ohio, where the Arnold Classic is. So yeah. every year from when I was, I mean, when I was 20, I was selling programs outside the Arnold Classic to get a free ticket. Like I'd be in there trying to meet supplement companies and all that. It really comes down to now, there's no magazines really anymore. It's all based around what value from the, you know, the people that you've built on your social media page, YouTube, whatever. It's like, what value do you offer the company? Because is it easy for me to send a guy a couple hundred dollars in supplements? Sure. It's not that hard to do, but it's like, what value does the company get back? Just because they show it on their story once a month, that's not making me $200. And not only is it $200, it's like, it has to be like, I just think people maybe have it twisted up on what they really have to bring to the table to make some, that's why there's such a small percentage of people that actually have them. And until I understood, because I had a Reebok deal right when I left MP, I signed a $40,000 a year deal with Reebok. It was a pretty big deal. I mean, I was like a 37 year old athlete. I was fucking pumped. Right. And, and I realized that the reason why I got that deal, I wore those, uh, those yellow lifters on the squat every day program on bodybuilding.com. It did 52 million page views. And so I had the leverage to say, I'm having, uh, you know, customers that you didn't have before that aren't CrossFitters that are normal gym lifters that don't Olympic lift that saw this are squatting every day and they're buying these shoes. And if you want me to continue that, here's the analytics, here's what it is. Fucking pay me. 
in a nicer way than that. But you know what I'm saying? Like you have to, you have to show. And then when they didn't want to pay me, I was out because I didn't use them. I used them kind of on accident, to be honest. And then I gave them so much hub. I was like, let's keep this rolling. And they're like, cool, let's do a deal. And so you've got to show some value and that's not going to be everybody's situation, but there has to be value add for the company. You can't just be entitled to think, well, I think I'm fucking sweet. So give me a deal. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. I mean, but it is a hard game to play because, you know, if I'm at Joe's at it too, and there's a lot of other people out there, you get approached by a lot of people. Some are legitimate, some are not legitimate. But what I always tell people, you can't look like a brand jumper. Like yeah. I can't yeah. form yeah. one year, Twin Lab the next, Muscle Farm the next, Gaspari the next, uh, Optimum the next, because you end up selling out and then you can't get a check. Well, yeah, and your so brand, your brand becomes useless to a company if there's no no loyalty. Like me saying, oh, I love this supplement. I use this supplement. The supplement has changed the way I train. doesn't mean anything if it's the fifth one that year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So it gets, yeah. it gets hard for people. So I've, I've tried to play the long game, but talking to a lot of quote unquote influencers, and I hate that term, yeah. everyone thinks they deserve to get free stuff or money because deserve. they've got and followers and they talk and it gets really, you know, it, it gets twisted for people to deal with. Now, switching gears a little bit, you are Westside certified. How did that come about? So in 2000, let me see, I want to say like 2006 or seven, Tim Harold walked in my gym. Now for you guys that don't know me, I own old school gym, which is a Westside certified gym in Columbus, Ohio. We host powerlifting meets. It has everything that you need there. Monolift, reverse hyper, and a lot of West side guys that from the East side of Columbus used to come through and train in my spot on other days. And so I just got done with a bodybuilding show and I'm sitting there at my desk and here walks in Tim Harold. Tim Harold was one of Louis super heavyweights, young, younger dude, six foot seven, four ten, walks in my gym. And I'm like, holy shit. And I go, dude, perfect. I want to learn West side. He goes, all right, we're going to do good mornings today. And I go, all right, sweet. So we go back. This dude, good morning, 720, the first workout. 720, Bobby. I could do like 185 and it was bad, right? Like yeah. terrible. <laughs> and that started the pursuit of me understanding West Side. So what a lot of people, and I, and I started to put these dots together before the internet, before everything. When I was 17, I did a powerlifting meet in a trailer park, shit you not, in Steubenville, Ohio. And I was there the day Louis benched 600 on his 50th birthday, I believe it was. 50th, huh. 70, yeah, 50th birthday. I was there competing that day. It was in my town I grew up in. I saw West Side when it was like the shit they talking about in the movies when I was a kid. Then seven or eight years later, I kind of then ran back into Louis when I was starting MP and I was getting into powerlifting. And that started a relationship of me learning from Tony Ramos, Tim Harold, George Halbert, even Dave Hoff at times. Now, um, all those guys have helped me over time. And I would go up on, and Mike Wolf, I would go there on Sundays and bench with those guys. I went there on, on Fridays for a while and squatted and just learned powerlifting. And I've been going up there off and on since about 2010. I've never been a member. I've never been full-blown Westside, but I could say like, I'm, I'm a friend of Westside and I've learned a ton from Louie and all the members and I've, and I've taken it my own way and used it in my own programming. But I squatted 700, um, three different times and 710 once, you know, in a, in a multiply suit, um, between 181 and 198. So 
I've, I've had some decent lifts. I made two elite totals raw and I've just missed elite totals in gear. But my plan is, is to hit an elite total at 181, hopefully in 2020 when I can compete. And are you working with those guys a lot? Like, are you still, if you're going to get into that, are you going to go there because you have access to be trained full time or is that something you'll handle yourself? Um, what I'll do is towards the end of like kind of the prep, I'll have guys either come to my place and help me or I'll, or I'll, I'll or I'll swing up there for a workout or two. I've done so many meets in, in my day at this point and coached so many. I mean, I have seven elite lifters that work out of my group that I've coached up from day one. So like at this point in my career, I'll still go up for like suit tweaks and some, some basic stuff, you know, that I, I know I can, I need a watchful eye when it comes to the powerlifting gear, but I, I pretty much handle most of the stuff myself at this point, but it's always, it's always great to have a watchful eye from anybody that's ever came out of that gym. It's pretty amazing. Nice. So you're going to like this. If I tilt this to the side, this is my garage. You'll see a plyo swing. Nice. That's the side one. <laughs> and then you'll also see an ATP. Nice. So I, am, I am kitted out here. I've got the reverse yeah. hyper. I've got the inverse curl. I actually went to hang out with Tom Barry. And, I saw uh, that. Jason, yeah. Jason Gussick's a good friend too. And that's so I hung out with him. And then uh, about a month after I got home, a FedEx freight truck showed up at my front door and they're like, we have a bunch of equipment for you. And I'm like, from where? Like, I didn't fucking order anything. And then the shit came off the truck and it weighs thousands of yeah. pounds and comes on pallets. So it went in the garage and now I don't know what to do with it. I can't ever move because I don't know how the hell to get it out of here. So the ATPs are huge too, Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I've got like a whole little West side kit in my, so the COVID-19, I'm just in powerlifter central. Tom, Tom Barry's a great guy. Um, I help me and Tom go back quite a bit. I've been selling a lot of mini bands for those guys. Cause so many people need them right now. And, uh, we, we do a lot of, uh, we squat five times a week in my crew against mini band tension. So we run waves of 200, 300, 400 pounds of band tension, four front squats to one back squat. And so, you know, I use Bulgarian and Russian methods, just not the exact West side template. I kind of got my own, um, thing I've adapted to with my crew, but it's, uh, but so I'm, I'm real friendly and it's only shit. That's only 35, 40 minutes from my house. So, you know, it's West side's not that far. I'm on the East side of Columbus or on the West side of Columbus. Wow. Incredible. It's good to have access to those people though, because I mean, if you want to power lift, it's oh. where else are you going to go? I mean, it's, it's, it's arguably the greatest power lifting gym of all time. I know other people oh. try to make arguments and stuff, but West side's down. more, you know, uh, 2000 pound club people than anyone that yeah. I can think of, you know, it was actually really funny when I went in there, uh, Tom had just hurt his back mm. like six months or eight months before. And we went to work out and he was loading up a, like a bar and he was doing some front squats and, uh, 495 was on the bar and I watched him do five reps and he's like, yeah, I haven't really worked out in six months. My back's I'm like, what? The fuck? <laughs> like, you know, a 495 front squat for reps is no joke. I've seen some wild shit there, bro. I mean, some yeah. wild shit. And I wasn't even there when like Vogelpool and those type of guys were there, but I saw some. When I went there, I saw Jay Fry, who was a world record holder bencher at 181, do like someone got like a 780, like one board or something crate, like. And these guys aren't that, some of these guys weren't that big. You're just yeah. like, look like your bones are bending. I mean, some wild shit. You know, I did a, I did a 550 
two or three board with Dave Hoff spotting me one Wednesday up there. And I just remember as it was coasting over my face, I was just thinking, there's no way these motherfuckers could grab this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, the reality of it is uh, pretty, pretty crazy, but I'm, I'm an extreme person. So I love it. And, and I'm still doing it. I just like, I'm 40, I'll be 42 this year. And I just love competing and I've been competing every year since I was 17. So one thing that I really, and by the way, I did do my research on you, you motherfuckers. So you owe me. <laughs> I knew about the muscle farm shit. I took the Arnold advisory board. So you need to apologize. Uh, I just with you. <laughs> one, of the, one of the things that I've always really liked about you mm-hmm. is when you compare your success compared to how humble you are, you're just a really nice guy, like all around. Thanks, Bobby that's had an interaction with you is like, Oh yeah, Corey's an awesome dude. How do you stay grounded and humble with that kind of success? Is that being a coal miner? Is that, is that like your parents? What is that? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's the way I grew up, man. Like it was such a humble beginning, like to be able to do, I saw my parents struggle and not like their jobs. You know what I'm saying? Like struggle, check to check, not be happy and not like their jobs on top of it. So I think to myself, like, I get to do what I love every day. I have been able to make you know plenty of money to basically change not only my generation, but the generation above me and below me, and hopefully even further on. Like, I feel so blessed. If I think I'm fucking sweet, I need checked. Because the way I got here was not thinking that. It was six men, six man mentality, always got to prove yourself. And even right now, like I'm made for this shit right now. Like I'm, I'm trying to lead the way for a lot of people that are following right now. Like I'm still getting up, can't go to my gym because it's closed. I mean, I could, but it ain't the same, you know? So it's like, I'm getting up still at three 30. I'm working out outside. I got a freaking shop light, um, on my backyard where I, where I got my gym at. Uh, I'm just like, you know what? I'm a, I have that grinder mentality. And until I hang it up, I really don't know any other way. And, and where I grew up, people work hard and they treat people nice. And I thought if I could just continue to do that. And there's times where, you know, my wife had to check me like, yo, you ain't fucking as sweet as you think you are. I know everybody's always blowing your head up, but like you better check yourself real quick and get it, get it grounded. Like it's happened. But for the most part, I just, am really, I really feel blessed, man, that, that, that this thing, I come home from the gym every day, Bobby, and can't believe it worked this well. Just to be honest with you, like I feel so, so much gratitude that my highest paying, the highest paying job my mom's ever had is doing customer service for CoreyGFitness.com. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like Mm. shit's so different from when I grew up. Like we had a hard time paying the rent. The the trailer was $150 a month rent, bro. Like when I see my kids wearing Yeezys, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? That'd be like six months rent back in the day, you know? So it's like, shit's so different that I just, I just have a ton of gratitude for it. And so if I feel like my shit's getting out of balance, I sign up for something, a meet, a show, something I got to put work into. I know there's people that do want to see me like do well. There's a lot of people that don't want to see me do well. I, I, I manufacture chips on my shoulder. I do whatever it takes to keep everything that constant push and to try to keep it humble. And it's, it seemed like it worked for the most part. I just have a lot of gratitude, I think though. Yeah. I can actually relate to that. Well, I grew up not I don't want to say poor because I always had food on the table. Like that's yeah. kind of my standard, yeah. but we lived in a little 600 square foot home and shared a room with my brother, you know, most of my life didn't have a ton a small town in Northern Canada. My actually little guy, he's 11 now, but he asked me if we were rich 
And I said, yes. And he's like, why do you think we're rich? I'm like, cause we have a garage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, yeah. man, listen, I, I come out and I have a garage gym. Like I have a fucking ATP and a plyo swing here. Huge. Like I don't care that our cars are leased. I don't care that technically on paper, my net worth is negative something because I've got a mortgage and, and, sure. and all stuff. It's like, we got, we're eating steak every day and we have a garage. We're it, and, and no matter what I accomplish, I never want him to lose that attitude. Do you worry about your kids growing up entitled or because at some point they're going to know who you are, right? Like my three, mm-hmm. my 11 year old don't really get it yet, but at some point he hits 16 and he fucking Googles me and he's like, Oh, Dads, yeah. do you worry about that with your kids? It's it's starting to happen with social media a little bit now. You know that they're starting to yep. well, where like I'm trying to get my my kids all work out. I mean, like my middle daughter, my middle kid, which is, which is my daughter Madeline, she's a gymnast, so she's like a beast. My kid, my boy, who's older, he's a freshman, and so like the working out thing, like he's in, he plays baseball, he wants to work out. All of his friends want to work out with me though, because they follow mm. on social, right? Where he's like, uh, you know, it's that dad father thing. And I, I told him finally, I'm like, look, man, every one of your coaches are saying, listen to your dad. I know you don't want to listen to your dad, but in this case, like, this is what the fuck I do, not just around here. This is what I do, like, on an international level. Like, pro guys reach out to me to help them, like, that are in base, Major League Baseball or NFL, whatever. Like, what you need to listen to me, whether you want to or not. And at the end of the day, it's like, I worry about, they can never experience what you and I experienced growing up. It's impossible with the way that we have it now. Right. But my edge has not went anywhere. So the way that I operate, the, the way that I display the work, the discipline, the things that I'm teaching on my podcast at business and biceps. And when they see the clips on IG or they do whatever, like I'm showing them exactly how to do it. And then I back it up with like, please, thank you. You got to respect. You don't fucking like, you don't talk twisted to me. I'll check your ass like old school type shit. And, and I don't like, I'll just say like, yo, you think that's the way you're going to fucking do that? Like, I, I ain't feeling that. Like I'll talk to my kid, like he's a man now and he'll get it. So like, I don't know. I think that, you know, everybody has some shit with their parents when they get older I'm like kind of like a little bit of a loose cannon in a, in a moderate way, because I think I go from being a very caring dad that tells them I love them every night. They never, they know that I love them no matter what, but if they get twisted up talking to their mom messed up, I'll check them in five seconds. They'll be running hill sprints till they throw up. So now they might have, like, I also have dropped my kid off to school in a Rolls Royce before though, too. So like shit's different, you know what I mean? So it's like, I try to keep it, as much as I can, but it's impossible for them to understand what that feels like. So I try to do it by showing them the work that we just ain't made it and I'm done. Dad is still up at 3.30 in a fucking pandemic working outside with the, with a shop light to help people. And, you know, and I just want them to believe they can do anything they want. At, at the end of the day, I don't even care if they work out. I want them to do what they love because that's what I get to do, man. And it's amazing. I love it. Do you think, I always ask guests for favors and I've got a couple lined up for you. Uh, mm-hmm. Number one, I want a massive supplement deal on my own line, but we'll get to that later. Okay. Uh, 
Lee, can I send you my 11 year old son for like a internship? Uh, <laughs> we'll swap life. life coach? No, no, no. I'll tell you why. So Joe's, he was actually here for this. He's in the truck. Yeah. And we're driving and my 11 year old, he was nine at the time. He's in the back seat. And he asked me a question to add something up. And, and I wasn't thinking, and I didn't get the answer. And he goes, "Ugh, you must've went to a public school. What the fuck did you just did you say to me? I will choke you with your little car. Oh, he like, he like stops just the truck, like right in the middle of the road. Like what? <laughs> that's amazing. That, so that's he amazing. Needs, he needs a humbling. I went off. I go, I used to beat you private school kids up during lunchtime. Like, don't you ever talk to me that way. But he needs... He needs some life coaching, like some hard knocks. <laughs> the other one, the other one, he told me that you'll appreciate. We're watching WWE wrestling, and he goes, "Dad, Goldberg would take you out." <laughs> Fuck that, dude. Goldberg is doesn't even do real MMA. He does wrestling. Like there's yeah. no way he would be in a fight. And he goes, "Dad, Brock Lesnar is the best in the UFC, and Goldberg just beat the hell out of him." You sucked so bad you got your contract cut. I go, Goldberg, tear you apart. <laughs> Fuck, I go, you know what, dude? Wrestling fake, the Easter Bunny fake, the Tooth Fairy fake. Went off on this thing. That's what, yeah, I got a hard nosed little dude, you know? Yeah. Um, That's amazing. Another question for you because you've, you've grown up in both eras. Uh, you and I are close to the same age and Joe as well. Mm-hmm. We remember having to call the girl to go on a date and didn't have a cell phone. You had to call the, the old phone and your dad would pick up. Or if you wanted to meet us for dinner, we had to be somewhere at a certain time because you couldn't text when you were late. Yeah. So that leads me to the social media stuff. Do you really like it or do you have a hard time with it? Because now you see 10 years ago or 20 years ago, you could just be you now you're a big name. People recognize you. People can be in your business. Do you have a hard time with that? So I know that it's afforded me opportunities that I could have never had prior. Like there's no way that I could have members that pay me $9 in India, Ireland, Zimbabwe without social media, right? So it's afforded my family opportunities that I can't even really grasp probably fully till I'm an old man one day. But I will tell you, here's what I've noticed with my kids though, which is weird. And I think about like, all right, if you're a little kid back in the day and you have your, your homeboy Bob over and you're playing football, then the other little kids don't know. You're just out playing. But now everyone knows, why didn't he ask me to come over? You see what I'm saying? Because everything's on Snapchat or, and so then it, it invokes a feeling of less than to the kid, even though it's really not meant that way. So I think that one, it's a social experiment that we don't really know how it ends. I know what I've been able to do it, do and impact people in a positive manner for my business and just like get out my word, but I've seen it directly affect. I don't, I used to have a hard, harder time with this early in my career. Cause I think I am a genuinely nice guy. So when people that didn't know me with those shots at me, I'd always be like, I don't really understand because everything I always did was so positive. But then I, I, my skin got thick to that. So I don't really like, I don't really care what people think anyway. I've always kind of beat to my own drum and have my own style and kind of the way I operate. So once I kind of got over that, it's more about how I see my kids interact 
And that's why like I make them, like we go out to a restaurant, they have to order for themselves. They have to speak to people. Like these are little things that you never thought about, but they don't interact with people the same way because it's all like this. And then a pandemic comes up and it gets even worse. Now they're not at sporting events. Now they're not with their friends. And so I think it's a real challenge that you have to be conscious of because that's why there's, I think, a lot more depressive, isolated type of people. Um, and it's really because of this. And then if you don't get enough likes, then your serotonin, serotonin levels and all, I mean, it's like all this stuff is wrapped up. I already had confidence built when social media was there. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine attempting to build your self-confidence during this would be much different, I think. And yeah, it's a problem. I think it's going to be. A big problem. And, and I think it's complicated too, because there's more than one platform now. Like when it was just Facebook, that was enough for most people. And then you get, you get Instagram and now you got TikTok has taken off and there's, there's a bunch that have come and gone. Yep. How important is it to you to stay relevant on all those different platforms? Or do you just kind of focus on, on one or two? No, I think it's so like I messed around with TikTok for like about a month. And my, my, the problem is most of my kids' friends are on TikTok. So they're seeing me and I'm catching heat for that. I had one video go like 700,000 views. It was like on all these kids' for you pages locally. And the, the kids did not like that at all. I'm like dancing with my shirt off is amazing. Um, but the, uh, I think it's good to see if there's value in the, in the platform. If I want to be relevant in business, I have to at least be conscious of it. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I'm building my own platform. I think the key is that any of these platforms can be taken away. Yeah. It's just the truth. The algorithm on, I used to get 50,000 views on a bad curl video five years ago on Instagram, like a terrible video. I probably shouldn't even put it up and it'd do 50,000 views. Shit's different now, pay to play. Um, and so I think at the end of the day, like cream will rise. I think we're going to see that now with this thing going on. A lot of, you know, the fly by night dudes will be wiped out because the, the businesses that'll stand are quality businesses. I believe with people that got their shit together. Um, but there's, um, it's a challenge. And I think there's the other problem is people sometimes have a platform for the wrong reason, just cause they got a big ass. Don't, don't mean they can program fucking workouts. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So I, I gotta tell you though, I think you should stick with the TikTok thing. <laughs> it's fun. And, and no, no, no. We, we got insight. Me, yeah, we actually, got insight. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. But I, I actually just pulled this up. It's you. I don't know if you could tell yes. you dancing in your kitchen on oh, TikTok. Oh yeah, Michael Jackson. <laughs> the, the, the whole thing with social media is I try to not judge a book by its cover because despite the fact that you founded, I mean, I can look you up on Googlepedia and like figure you out, right? Yep. But. I can't get the truth. You could be dead broke right now. It could all be a show. You could have been an asshole to everyone at muscle farm. You could have been like caught up in like some sec racketing scheme or some shit like that. Like, I don't know really who you are and yeah. Okay. You post a couple of pictures on the internet with your shirt off and it's like, well, I, I don't know who this guy is. And for me with you, and a, and a person that has like learned to admire you from afar. When I saw you on TikTok, just dancing in your kitchen and being goofy, I'm like, "Fuck, this guy's all right." Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's it's uh, it, it's basically just your own personality. Like, cause you're you're seeing me like dance to music I actually like. I'm I'm just trying to have fun. That's how I would do with my family if it, the video wasn't on. I would do the same thing. Yeah, and you get human elements, so you cease to be a dude with 
nice abs on the cover of a magazine. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, this is like a normal guy. Like even looking behind you, what I'm most interested in is like the Tupac and the Snoop picture (laughs) versus like anything else. Because I'm like, man, we probably like the same music. This guy would be fun to hang out with. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes with social media, you don't get that. But I've seen sides. I I didn't know through TikTok, which I think is an, I think it's an interesting medium. I agree with that. I think it, I think it allows if, so here's what's interesting about TikTok is for me, it's not a problem, right? I'm, I'm cool with just being me. So like that to me, I was like, Oh, this makes sense. I hear, I hear a song. I'm like, boom, let's, let's, let's TikTok this thing. A lot of people overthink that platform because you have to be vulnerable right? Because people can make fun of you so easy. That that ain't really like a big deal for me. So to me, it made sense. I was like, oh, hell yeah, let's do this. Um, so yeah, I'll try to keep up with it. It'll, it'll I think, I think it's going to probably swallow or at least really, you know, give IG a run for its money, but they also changed their algorithm too. Once again, I could do a shitty video. It would do not even shitty. I, I think they were good, but 30,000 views and now boom, it's 600. It's like their algorithm got tight too. So that's why, once again, whether it's podcasting, whether it's my site, whether it's Max F for whatever it is, I'm trying in this day and age to get the people to my own platform so I can control them to best suit my business and give them the most value because you just don't know. You just don't know what people, what those platforms will do. I, I like that point of view a lot of, of, I'm building my own platform and I have all these different ways that I can interact with people as opposed to like, okay, so here's my message that I'm going to get out on Instagram. Here's my message. I'm going to yep. get out on TikTok. Like the, the marketing mind behind that would drive you bonkers trying to keep up with all of that. And, and then still like having to create specific content for each audience and each bracket and every product that you're trying to do. And you, and you said you've got five different businesses to do that for. I would shoot myself, but being authentic, being real. And just like you said, these are tools that you have available and, and it's all kind of feeding into one thing and people are going to see what they want to see. But like, uh, I think the most powerful thing you just said was being vulnerable about it and being okay. If somebody wants to make fun of you a little bit, because it's just one part of a much larger thing. That is what your whole life's work is about. What I think Joe is like a lot of people, um, you know, they might get a little sample size of, they might, they might only see the one video that like Bobby showed and they might be a local person I see at the grocery store. They don't really know me. They don't even know what MP is. They don't know that I go to Arnold's house for Christmas. And I don't fucking care if they know that. Right. But at the end of the day, it's like, they see that little sample size and then they want to throw a shot at you. And to me, it's like almost funny because it's like you said, it's this whole big thing of just showcasing personality where it makes sense, quality content, where it makes sense, adding value, you know, on my, on my podcast, I get to do tons of business type of stuff on my, on my site. And that way I get a fitness stuff. Like I'm just doing like, yo, I feel blessed. It's been 20 years. I'm going to try to be myself and add value. Like when I'm done with this thing and I hang it up, which I see Louie at 70 and think, look, there's a lot of room still to do content. Right. I just know that I'm leaving this thing better than when I got it. It's just a fact, bro. I've done way too much content, had millions of people do them. I've worked with way too many smarter people. I busted my ass and I am going to leave my mark on this to some degree. And it might take me till I'm Louis' age, but I'm telling you, that's what I'm going to do. And, and, and I've been focused on that, but I wanted people to be like, that's also a guy that will chug a beer on a Friday. Cause I, I got Guinness on tap at my house he'll chug a pint of Guinness with me on a Friday and smoke a fucking cigar. And, and like, like Bobby said, look like an RA dude. And that's, that's, I want people to be like, this is attainable. 
if I got like, you got to have it. You got to fucking want it way more than kind of want. I don't kind of want it. I'm a real dude, but I came from nothing. I'm not 220 and shredded. I'm not a gifted D1 athlete. I don't got any of that. So it's like, I wanted it more than most others. And I feel like that's why I got here. So it's like, I want to show people it's, it is attainable if, if they're really about it. I mean, I just never took no for an answer. Love it. So speaking of not taking no for an answer, I have one more favor for you. Mm -hmm. I think now that you can grant it. Joe and I have a dream. Mm -hmm. It's a group workout in my garage with Arnold, Mr. T, Hulk Hogan, and Sly Stallone. I need you to get on this. Actually, it doesn't even need to be in my garage. I will fly anywhere. <laughs> That's my Mount Rushmore. So I think I think you're the guy. I'm going to be blowing you up every day now to make this. <laughs> I, I've been in a room with Arnold and Sly before. It's pretty. In, it's uh, intimidating in a cool okay. way. So, so that said, you've got to go to the man's house. Like Arnold is the Arnold Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding. It's still like the book that I tell everybody. Want to learn about weightlifting? Just go buy that. Who would be a couple of your dream people to train with that you've never had the opportunity to meet, hang out with, or spend time with? So um, I'll tell you what. I really, I, I really would have liked to train with. Um, so I've been in, I've been in train with train with Arnold at Venice before, which is amazing. Um, Robbie Robinson was one of my favorite golden era bodybuilders. And I've seen Robbie there. Um, and he's a little quirky, but I never got to train with him. And I would have loved to train with Ed Corney, but Ed Corney was just too old. Like by the time I was into the game, like he was already kind of like really couldn't walk very much when I would see him at the Arnold classic. So I had, I had online coaching by Frank Zane when I was young and I paid the 50 bucks or whatever to call him and do that way before I ever had any type of name in the industry. But I really would have liked to train with Robbie Robinson, that, that original golden era group molded me. Cause you remember, right, Bobby, there's no other way to access material. There's no internet. I just read all of these books and all of these magazines. And I think that's why I was able to be a pretty good poser when I finally hit stage. Cause I studied it and I understood all the programming. Cause I studied it. That's one of the reasons why Arnold liked working with me. It's almost like I lived then. Like I went through every take of pumping iron, dude. I'm one of the only people on the planet that has seen every take of pumping iron. I, it took me three days. I was in his office sitting right beside fucking lifestyle predator and Mr. Freeze. And I went through every take to grab all that material, wrap it up into those blueprint videos I did on bodybuilding.com. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Robbie Robinson. I love it. Robbie's a beast, man. The black like prince. A, I was, I was like a little girl at a back. <laughs> so good, bro. He's an I animal. like, yeah, he's, he's crazy. I was actually looking at him and uh, I couldn't figure out who he was. Like, who is this fucking guy? He just looked really familiar. And then he took his shirt off and I'm like, holy fuck, that's Robbie Robinson. Yeah. And then, and then Bobby's sending me a text of that picture going like, do you know who this is? Do you know who this is? <laughs> so good, man. Do you ever read his book, Bobby? You should. Uh, I've got his, he was kind enough. We actually talked a lot. Um, we were at booths beside each other in the Arnold. It was the weirdest thing. Because I was with a shoe company called Lalo when it was first started. And it was like a, one of those little boots, you know, in like the, the kind of uh, dad sponsorship alley. Like it's not the big fancy boots. You basically yeah. have a fold out table with some product. Yeah, yeah. And that's when we were just starting out. And, and I was there and, and 
kind of feeling like bummed out about it a little. Like with all these people with these big boots, like when do we get to the big granola booth next to me? And he was working in the homemade granola booth. And so I would have never thought it was Robbie Robinson. And fuck, sure enough, it was him. And I had a moment where I got to stop fucking complaining. Like if the man is, is there, I'm fucking doing all right. Yeah. And so I got to talk to him and hang out. I got a copy of his DVD, his book, um, really good dude. So yeah. it was, it was, it was, it, I mean, that was exciting. I'd rather meet those guys than oh. anybody. You know yeah. what I mean? No question. I mean, I got to meet Franco Colombo multiple times at Arnold's house and got a chance to talk with him about deadlifting and all kinds of, like, that's why those old guys like me. And once they get to know me from Arnold is because I always ask them about that air. I'll ask them about bodybuilders like Zabo's abs or this other guy that you would only know if you studied it, study it, but they're friends of those guys that they haven't thought about in so many years. Right. So I always, when I'm around Arnold, I'm always very specific. I mean, we've been friends now for a long time, but like, I'm always very specific on what I try to ask him if I have a short period of time, because I know if it's something from that era, he'll be like, boom. And he just wants to tell, he wants to just tell you stories. And um, last time I went to um, California for Christmas, we, uh, I trained with them on Friday morning and Saturday morning. And we went out to breakfast um, on, it would have been Friday morning after we were done eating. And he's just talking about, early business ventures and training with the guys and just like shooting the shit, like a fucking lifting friend, bro. It's, 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 it's unbelievable. Like once again, I pinched myself. I've been going to his house for Christmas for, was it 2020? Probably about seven or eight years. I mean, it's staggering. Like, honestly, it's, it, it never gets old. Wow. Incredible. Well, listen, Corey, you are a guy who Joe and I have an immense amount of respect for. Uh, There's not many people in the industry that we consider the real deal. And you're one of them. You're a person we look up to, uh, admire your career path. um, And it's an honor to have you on the show. Like that's one of the, I think about social media is great. I would never have the opportunity to meet you. And so like, I I know is we, heroes and people that have done what we want to do in the industry one day and and talk to them face to face so um thank you know that you have an open invite train with us if you're ever in salt lake city or minnesota you make sure you hit us up we'll have to make that happen once this corona 19 oh, we're, we're, we're gonna have so many cool people swinging through bobby's garage it's gonna yeah. be phenomenal oh you guys should just do a week there you know and set yeah, it up exactly you know? exactly I would love just that. have some fun and i i will be visiting columbus again so i'll have to stop by and hang out work out i think you have the nicest backyard gym ever you've got that nice little <laughs> it's pretty cool just, i think you'd really like the gym though bobby i think you'd really like old school gym it, it, it'd be yeah it's i'll like, check it out yeah you would love it just so thanks for I'm an old man now. Don't crush me. Go easy. On yeah, right. <laughs> I appreciate you guys having me on. It was fun talking shop and you guys uh, let me know if you ever need anything. All right. Yeah, sounds good, man. Thanks. Yeah, no, thank you. Now, where where could people, before we go, where could people find you? Uh, everything's at Corey G Fitness with no E, just C-O-R-Y G Fitness um, across all platforms and supplements is maxeffortmuscle.com. I appreciate it.